we are up and running. And tonight, Wednesday night, and it is January 26th, and we're going to be going back over the sermon for this past Sunday because the sermon, half, the first, pretty much the first half got cut out. The recording stopped for some unknown reason. So I'm going to be going back through what, what I did on Sunday, pretty much all the way through. Of course, it's going to be different. There's never going to be identical with me, for sure. Uh, I'm going to start by addressing something that was brought up to me last night at our worship outreach meeting. Um, update aims to make Bible translation more accurate. So there is a, a new revised standard version updated edition. All right. Back in, I think, 1880-something, the revised version came out. The revisers, the, 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 the real smart people, they, they uh, started finding different manuscripts that, you know, that were not used for the, for the Textus Receptus, which was what was William Tyndale used to do the New Testament. Anyway, all of that led to the authorized version of 1611 back then. But in the 1880s, which the authorized version is also known as the King James Version. Well, the revised version came out. It was used for a while, and then it, over time, as people started realizing how much difference it was between the two, it kind of got pushed to the side. And then... I can't remember what year it was, but then the revised standard version came out to fix all the mess-ups, and then it pretty much fell away, and then the new revised standard version came about, and now they've, they've, they've come out with an updated edition, not a new translation, not a new version, just an updated edition is all this is. So, people can say, well, over time, when we, we discover more and more manuscripts, then it makes our Bible more accurate, right? This is awesome. We, you know, we're going to find new stuff. So, every time, okay, look at how long the authorized version, you had, you had the Geneva and the King James, very similar. Look at how long the King James Bible was trusted by so many people and the great awakenings that happened using the King James Bible. Then these new translations or new versions started to come out. Every time a new version comes out with the excuse of we found new manuscripts, we found older manuscripts, we found this, that, and the other, and now it's more accurate. Now it's even better. Now it's this, that, and the other. Every time that happens, doubt is being created in the minds of people who trusted the old version for all those years. Oh, so you mean it wasn't right, it was wrong. In the, in the, in the revised standard version, which we, I have a copy sitting in there in the Sunday school room, you open up the front, you start reading it, it'll actually say when the very 
bad things were found in the King James Bible. I mean, it's just really strong in what they say about the King James Bible and how they had to be fixed. But then, as you keep reading the introduction, you can see they change and they have to get back to the King James Bible tradition because so many people were so upset with it. But they don't write that in there. They explain why they keep changing it. So it... so. Does that make sense that every time somebody comes out with a headline that says update or new version or whatever aims to make the Bible translation more accurate, it causes doubt. It just causes doubt. So you take a young Christian who's trying to be disciple, some young unsaved people, and... He says, you need to trust the Word of God. And all these unsaved people up there say, well, which one is the one that I need to trust? Why do y'all have so many different versions? Uh, uh, Or you go to a Muslim, and you tell the Muslim, you need to trust the Word of God. This is, here's my Bible. And they go, why do y'all have so many versions? There's still just one Quran. I don't trust all of your Bibles because if God authored a Bible, there would only be one. But the Quran has stood for all these ages. No one's changed it. And we know why they wouldn't change it. You know, it's probably just death. But that's the argument you'll come up against. So every time somebody has come to me and said, well, in the King James, it says this, and that, that's what got changed because that was wrong. I have gone to it, I have pulled it out, I've studied it, I've researched it, and I have become more confident with the King James Bible every single time anybody has ever come to me and said, that was not right, this was not right. I've gotten deeper into my study, and I have actually come away from it more convinced that the King James Bible is God's preserved word. That's what I. That's what has was happened to me personally. Now in uh, in Psalm twelve, Psalm twelve, and this is might as well read read the whole psalm. It says, "Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth." It's it's like stopping the godly man. Where where is he at? He's he's going away. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. You've got to be real careful with people who flatter you way too much. There's a reason that they're doing it. There's a double heart. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said... With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are are our own. Who is Lord over us? There's a very uh, clever question. Is the Bible in subjection to you? or, Or are you in subjection to the Bible? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. 
I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Then, these are the two important verses right here. The words of the Lord are pure, pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. When I researched this, I found out that with the English Bibles that were being worked on, there were six main ones, and the King James, or the Authorized Version, ended up being the seventh one. Is that what, is that what it's referring to? I do not know. Purified seven times, thou shalt keep them. This is uh, third person plural, I think. But it's referring to the words. Okay? It just talked about the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, then eight, might as well finish it. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Every time a new translation came out, there was a man behind it who was like, oh, wow, you look at this work that you've done <clears throat> when there was already a perfect word of God. Now, this, uh, the revised version, I'm going to read an example to you. And of course, if you're listening on, if you're listening to the CD of this, we're, we haven't even started the sermon at all, but we're just addressing something that I feel is very important. So, with each new edition, revision, whatever, it's supposed to get better and better, right? Okay, the revised version, <clears throat> when it's talking about that very psalm that I just read to you. It did a pretty good job in the revised version. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, when you get to the revised standard version, it changes words to promises. The promises of the Lord are promises that are pure. And then in verse 7... It says, do thou, O Lord, protect us instead of them protecting the word. It it changes it to the people. Back in verse 5, it's talking about the poor. So it makes it about them and not about the words. Protect us, guard us from this generation. And then in the uh, New Revised Standard Version, they did the same thing. They, they changed the words of the Lord or pure words to uh, the promises of the Lord are promises that are pure. So it gets rid of the words. <clears throat> they didn't get better, they got worse. With each one, it got further away. Another example would be uh, John 3.16. John 3.16 is the most popular. Anybody out on the street, you walk up and ask them what, they don't ever go to church, they never read their Bibles, they have no clue 
about hardly anything. You ask them what their favorite verse is, they'll say, John 3.16. Well, in the revised, in the original revised version, it's a lot like the King James. It says, His only begotten Son. All right? Everybody knows that verse. It's 25 words in the King James and the revised version. And it says, begotten. 25 words. Five is the number of grace. It's grace times grace. Five times five. Grace. It's all about grace. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten, and those who believe on him will have everlasting life. They're, they're, they're good. Well, <clears throat> son is right in the middle. When you get to S-O-N in the King James, or even the Revised Version, it's, it's 25 words, and the middle word is son. Jesus is the center of everything. He better be in the middle of everything you do. He needs to be the central thing to everything you do as a person, as a church. He needs to be in the middle. Well, the Revised Standard Version and the NIV and several other versions of the Bible, they took away begotten. And it just says only son or his one son. It says something like that, which it alters how many words are in the verse. So the son is no longer in the middle of the verse. Some people say, well, you're just being real picky. I think there's a reason that... <laughs> there's a reason that verses... I said this just a little while back. There's a reason that certain verses are numbered the way they are. They're in certain chapters. And while some verses hap- happen to be 25 words and another verse might be 7 words, whatever it might be. Why? There, I think there's a reason behind it. So, when you say only son, you know, we're referred to as sons of God, children of God. But there's only one begotten son, and that's Jesus Christ. Only one, Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten of the Father. And that is critical to what we believe as Christians. The New Revised Standard, it's just, it totally destroys it. it so my, my point is, it, it gets worse. As they say they fix it and get more accurate, it gets worse and worse and worse. The King James Bible is public domain. You can't make any money off of it. You're free to use it however you want to use it. But you come out with the one that you can copyright, you're going to make some money off that one. All right, stuff like that just really makes my blood boil sometimes when things like this come out. And I could go for weeks upon weeks of Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights just proving my point. I can do it. I would love to do it. We might do a Wednesday night of just nothing but that coming up soon, of just examples of how people have messed up the Word of God and all these other different versions of the Bible. Places, I can show you places in the gospel where Jesus' very words that are in red are gone. They're just gone. In the ESV, the New American Standard, the NIV, they're just gone. 
the story's there, but his words, what he said to his disciples, uh, is gone. I think what Jesus said when he was walking on this earth was pretty important. I'd be very scared to, uh, you know, even even uh, even you know, taking away words. But if you look at Revelation twenty two really close, Revelation twenty two, you will find that toward the back of your Bible. It might even be the very last chapter. Eighteen, nineteen. 18 and 19, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Notice, read that real careful. 19, and if any man shall take away from the words. It doesn't say take words out. Now it could mean take away from the words. That could be mean taking out words, but take away from individual words, like taking an S away or adding an S to? How about lovest and loveth? All the new translate, all the new versions, we're just making it more modern. We're, We're making it easier to read. What's wrong with loveth? It's it's gonna be he loveth third person. T. Loveth. Love is second person. The little S in there gives you a clue. When big time colleges like Harvard, Yale, when they study English grammar and they start studying age groups, they found out several years ago, several years ago, they found out that little tiny kids love two-syllable words with the, the, the boldness in the first syllable. Why doesn't a little tiny kid say, Mom, it's got to be Mommy. It's got to be Nana. You know, it, it, they, they, kids love two-syllable words. So the King James Bible fits a little tiny kid better than it does a teenager who wouldn't dare be caught saying Mommy anymore. But for little tiny kids, the King James Bible suits them better than teenagers and adults. You want to make it easier to read for the little tiny kids? You want to change it? Love? Or would you rather say lovest? Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? All right. Now let's get to the... (laughs) Creation, and we were talking about the three points. There's creation, there's point number one, point number two is chaos, and then point number three is restoration. There was construction, deconstruction, and then reconstruction. 
there was creation, chaos, and restoration. That's what happened at the beginning, and we went through great detail on all of that in the first uh, few CDs that we did on this subject. So, uh, the time of creation was in the beginning. So we read, we read out of uh, returning to John. You don't, and again, I'm going to be going through so many scriptures. You don't have to turn to all of these, but um, in the beginning. Well, I'm all the way over in the gospel. In the gospel of John, in the first chapter, first three verses, in the beginning was the Word, capital W Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I've I, I got to keep reading because it's not just about... I, I, when I, I try to stop at three, but then I see life and I see light and, and I see where the darkness couldn't comprehend it. And, and when you read the creation story, you see where light is separated from the darkness. It's, and it's, it's just repeating over here. Now, what, who is this word? If you didn't know any better, when you get to verse 14... And the Word, capital W Word, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word, capital W Word, is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning. All right, let's turn to uh, Colossians. Turn over to Colossians. You might want to turn here. I'm only supposed to read three verses, but that's not going to happen. I didn't even read any of this Sunday. I, I just made reference to the person is God, the Father, and we already know the Word was there, so it was Jesus was there, and we know that the, uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, so the Holy Spirit was there. All three were there. Pretty cool, huh? All right. In Colossians chapter 1, notice in 6, starting with 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, talking about the gospel message. This gospel message, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. Remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you since the day ye heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. See God there? God the Father. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear, dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, there's the Son, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. See, the King James Bible says love. Why can't, the king, why can't it just say love? Why does it have to always say lovest and loveth? I'm sorry, but it does say love when it's right to say love. So you see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit right there. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye, ye, that's you, 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 and you. It's, I'm, I'm not speaking to just, I'm, I didn't say thou or thee. I said ye, which means it's to each one of you, but every one of you. Okay? You can't say, oh, well, he's talking to that person over there. He, this, this isn't meant for me. No, yeah, it's meant for you and the person beside you, and the person back there. Um, Where was I at? It was a ye. I stopped at a ye. Ye, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, remember the fruitful, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. As time goes on, you will get more and more knowledge out of the word of God, out of preaching, out of Sunday school, you're going to get more knowledge when you're in your personal study time and prayer time with the Lord. Okay, 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious, it's not just power, but it's glorious power. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or suited to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his, not just son, but his dear son. And it translates, when you believe this word, you believe what this word told you about the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are saved, you are instantly translated. You are taken from that kingdom that you were in into the kingdom of God, just like that, the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood. So if you're, if you're reading along in your NIV or your RSV or your whatever version you have, blood won't be in verse 14. All new versions have eliminated blood out of verse 14. Get a version that says blood here. Even the forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for... Now we're talking about Christ. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Yeah, when I start reading Colossians I have a really hard time finding a stopping place. I absolutely love the book of Colossians. 
And you can read it in just a few minutes, the whole thing, you can read it. Okay. So you've got the person, God, the Father, the Son was there, and the, the Word, capital W, and then the Holy Spirit. The, all right, now then you have the act. We're still on creation. It was the time was the in the beginning. The person was the, the Trinity. And then the third point of creation would be the act, which is created. And we, we got into detail of, of uh, only God can create and the word bara and how many times created was used and how many times made and formed and all that. We, that's in other CDs. Uh, but the verse that goes along with created is uh, Hebrews 11.3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now that leads us into chaos. Why? I'm not going to explain it tonight. Go back and listen to the other CDs, and you'll know why there was chaos. Okay, this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God created earth. It was perfect when he created it. Something happened to cause chaos. And what, you know, when you look at, the, when you look at that you can, and you look at an unsaved person, you see the same thing. You see formless, you see void, you see darkness. That's what you see when you have an unsaved person. <clears throat> Formless, that means no aim, no object in life, no definition. Romans 8, 5 through 8, talks about walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. It goes on, it just, it just goes on and on about it in those, th- those three, uh, five, six, seven, eight, four verses. You can read it for yourself. Isaiah fifty-seven twenty says, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And that just gives me a picture of the earth in that very bad state. It was completely covered with water, formless. Okay, the second point of chaos would be void. That means empty, dissatisfied, and that's a person who doesn't know the Lord for, their, for, the, for themselves. They are empty and dissatisfied with life. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That basically talks about doing your own way. There's so many religions throughout the world over time where it's a works religion. You do something to try to preserve yourself. And you've neglected the free gift that God has given you. Um, I talked about cisterns. Even if they weren't broken, would you really want to drink from a cistern? That's stagnant water. You know, Jesus is the living water. But if you have a cistern, you've got water that has living things in it, like snakes and lizards and little squiggly things that come from mosquitoes. Do you really want to drink that? Go to the living water. 
Psalm 94, 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. The third point of chaos is dark. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. John 3, this is the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That takes us to our third point. I never thought I'd do sermons with three-point sermon. <clears throat> I like two-point sermons. Two-point. Turn or burn. We're done. <laughs> There's the two points. All right, here's the third point. Restoration. Now, this, when you look at the stages of fixing the earth, you know, light from darkness and the spirit hovering, all, all these things you see as we go through the story of the six days of creation, you're going to see that it will, it paints a, a picture of a person when the Holy Spirit starts to convict the person. It's an unsaved person that's in this chaotic state and they need a restoration. They need to be regenerated. John 3 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, You know who him was in John 3? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, right, Nicodemus, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You need a new birth. You need to be regenerated. You're in a pretty bad state the way you are. You're, you're, uh, you know, you're dark, you're, you're void, you're formless. You, you need... What 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, which is, this is our golden verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Not trying to make them pass away, not working toward passing away, but they are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. <clears throat> We don't want to be prettied up pigs that are fine going back to the mud and the mire. We want to be new creatures. Like the, uh, Charles Spurgeon told the story of cleaning up a pig, putting a bow in its hair, bringing it to church. Pig always is so pretty, but the pig can go back to the mud and be okay there. But if you miraculously transformed this, this pig into a cat, this cat is a new creature. The cat may mess up from time to time and fall into the mud, but it could not stand to be there. It will not stand to be there anymore. It wants to get out and clean itself up. That's the difference between somebody who pretends to be a Christian and someone who's actually been changed to walk in newness of life. All right, the first thing that happens, back to verse 2 of Genesis 1, 1, 1 uh, chapter 1, verse 2, talking about the earth being... Formless, without form, void, darkness. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
That's the first thing that happens in restoration or regeneration of a person's soul. The Holy Spirit, we have to pray that the Holy Spirit will touch somebody. You go, you go to the person's house and you bug them. They just want to go the other direction. Without the Holy Spirit convicting them, what you try to do might even make it worse. The Holy Spirit's moving on the face of the deep. We need the Holy Spirit moving over the unsaved. The Holy Spirit moving will cause conviction. John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go... This is Jesus talking to His disciples. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. Verse 8, And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, uh, that's verse. Uh, that's, that's John 16, 7. Skip down to verse 13, the first part of 13. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Now, the second thing that happens, verse 3 of, uh, back to Genesis 1, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So by the time the first day is over, the Spirit is moved, and God said, let there be light. And he divided the light from the darkness, and that's exactly what happens to us when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit, and the light, Jesus came into this world to give each man a little light, and what we do with it, it means everything. Are we going to follow more light or are we going to love the evil things in our life? That's why it's really hard sometimes. The, more, the longer someone lives and the more they get into earthly pleasures, they don't want to leave it. They don't like the light because it reproves them of the bad deeds that are in their life. That's why we, we try to have little kids come in here to Kingdom Kids. Pray for that because that is the most important thing we do as far as an outreach is those little kids over there and getting little kids in here. We need little kids in this, in this sanctuary on Sunday morning. That outreach is the most important thing. Us being equipped, each and every one of us being equipped to go out and, and to do the Great Commission, that's important too, but get the kids in here. John 8 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's one of my favorite verses now. I love that. 1 Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and, and holy nation. Sounds like he's talking to the Jewish nation. The chosen people of God. That's what it sounds like he's talking to, but he's talking to people other than that. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
uh, verse 10, which in time past were not a people. See, you, you used to not be, you know, the people who were not in the chosen people of God, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's all from the dividing of the light from the darkness. You're separated from the old way. The third thing that happened, and we'll read the second day, is division happened. Uh, not only, not just the light from the darkness, that was good, but this division is a little different. All right, starting with uh, verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So now you're being divided from those who may not like the fact that you are following the Lord. You know, I've heard stories of you know, parents that had kids that were just really causing them a hard time. They get a preacher to preach to them, and the kid all of a sudden is born again. They're going to church all the time, going home, telling the mom, dad about Jesus. You need to read your Bible. And they'll call the preacher up like, what did you do to him? And they're mad at the preacher. Now, he's, now he, he went from being somebody who was always getting in trouble and causing us a heartache, and now he's a Jesus freak. We wanted something in the middle. Ugh. We're never happy. <laughs> Jesus causes division. If you were here on Sunday, this is sounding very familiar. All right, John 7, verse 43 says, So there was a division among the people because of him. Talking about Jesus. All right, now we're turning to uh, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 16. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. The, the religious leaders were the problem. But yet the people saw. Uh, look what he's doing. How can he be a sinner? And there was a division. There's going to be a division. Okay. Uh, go over to the next chapter, 10. John 10. I'm going to start reading at 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the, the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. 
As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And then 19, uh, it's not Jesus speaking as far as him speaking on this earth. Uh, 19, there was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad, why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? See there? Division. Don't be surprised with the division. 2 Corinthians 6.14 be, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what, shall, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Verse 9 of uh, Genesis 1. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven... I think I already read that. No, no, I didn't. Okay. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, or ocean, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, after its kind, after its kind, there's no evolution in the Bible. No evolution. Now, man... When you look at the accomplishments of man, you see where his accomplishments evolve over time. The first flight was 120-some feet. Now, by 40 years later, there was a bomber being built for World War II that the wingspan was wider than the distance of the first flight down in North Carolina. Then, you see what we can do now. We can fly into space. What man does, because we're created in the image of God, we can do great things. But still, the heavenly creatures are probably still laughing at us, thinking that we, you know, we're like, oh, look at what we can do. And they're going, <laughs> yeah, you think you're doing good. If you only knew. But... Evolution, as far as a, an animal changing, that doesn't happen. A plant changing. You know, we're messing up. You know, it's, we think we're so smart, and we're changing organisms. You see, on your, when, you, when you're at the grocery store, you're, you see non-GMO. Why is that good? So they're bragging about it. It must be something good about it. Well, I agree. Genetically modified organism, we're messing up by doing that. All right, your corn is really sweet. 
one day we're going to outthink ourselves and we're going to have a bunch of crops that are going to fail and we won't know how to reproduce it and we'll be, we'll be in bad shape. We think we're smart. We do amazing things, but sometimes we're just, we're just setting ourselves up for a great fall. All right, what I just read was the grass and the shrubs and the trees producing seed. It's growth. We as Christians, this is that was what day three growth. Day three, by day three, we are born again children of God because the Holy Spirit convicted us. There was light, and we could see, and we believed on Jesus. And then there was division. We're no longer part of that old way. We're, we're divided. And now we should be growing and producing fruit. Growth. 1 Peter 2, 1 and, 1 and 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of, milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Now, Sunday I read uh, 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. That, at the more I study this, that's going to turn into a sermon. And, so I'm not going to go back there and read it, but it's about growth. You can read it on your own. But it's the very end of 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. Just read all of, of 2 Peter, and you'll see a little bit before this, probably around 7 and 8, you're going to see where Peter's talking about in the beginning, the earth and how, how the scoffers will come, and they're going to say, where's his coming? You've been saying this since the time of creation. And he talks about the flood. Now, some people, like uh, E.W. Bullinger from way, way back, he thinks that's the original flood that is on the, with the spirits hovering over the face of the deep. John Phillips, he thinks that's more talking about Noah's flood because the same thing was happening. It makes a lot of sense because the same thing was happening then. The hundred years of building the ark and people going, it's dry. Where's the rain? You've been saying this for how long? I can see the guy who ridiculed him more than anybody when they all went in, when the eight people went into the ark, and the number eight is significant. That's another Wednesday night study is the significance of numbers in the Bible. New beginnings, eight. The eighth day after a full week, eighth day is a new week. Eight as it had to been eight on the ark. The guy who criticized him the most, the day that it started to rain, the very first raindrop fell from way, way up there, hit him right in the forehead. I know it. Growth and then fruit-bearing. That's the fifth thing that happens. Fruit-bearing. And we just read Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. We read that earlier. Being fruitful, and remember, there's two times I talked about fruit, and I said, keep that in the back of your mind. So I hope you remember what I read, because that was because of fruit bearing. Fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That sound familiar? Talking about increasing in the knowledge of God. 
We already read that. Um, this past Sunday, I read John 15, 1 through 8. Jesus talking about being the vine and how important it is that we don't do things on our own, that we're connected to the root. We can't be our own branches. Because remember, if you're your own branch, you're separated from the vine. You no longer get the nourishment. You can do nothing good on your own and all that. And if you're not connected, then you're branches that end up drying up and they're gathered up by men and thrown into the fire. Fruit bearing. You have to be connected to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. Tonight, he said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. You'll see a whole bunch of I am's in in the Gospel of John. What is there, seven of them? Why seven? I don't know. Just a, you know, coincidence. Okay, dominion is the sixth thing that, that, the sixth thing that will happen. Dominion. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to read this this past Sunday because of what Ilona's saying but I ran out of time. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the, aven- the avenger, Moses the deliverer of God's people out of Egypt, he's in a, he's in a basket. He's a baby. That's what I see when I read that. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Jesus shows up as a baby in a manger. Three, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers... The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. God, can you imagine David? David wrote this. David is out there in the pasture. He's guarding the sheep and he's looking up in the sky and he's seeing, he, he, he can pick out the planets, the ones that are close, all the stars. God created the planets, but he cares so much about the people. God created those stars, all those many, many stars. And once the telescope was invented, it was way more. And we could see so far out. God made all of that. He made the stars, but he's concerned about each and every one of our souls. He made the whole universe but he cares so much for us. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Now, he's talking about man here. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. We know Jesus was made that way when he was born into this earth. We 
This is this so this point is dominion. Adam was given dominion. He ended up losing it, but Jesus gives it back to us. We are pitiful, but yet we got to realize we are children of the Most High God. We're joint heirs with Christ. We need to start acting more that way, believing more that way. And has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. We have to identify with Jesus. We take on what he did by believing. He went into the grave, we went into the grave. He was buried and was raised up. We are raised up. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Sound familiar? The first verse says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The last verse, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Jesus is just as powerful in the beginning when he created all things as he'll be at the very end when it's all wrapped up and we go to live with him forever. We're made in the image of God. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The eighth thing that happens is blessing. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, one more point, nine. One more. This is the ninth point of the third main point. These are subpoints of the main point. Get the point? The last point is rest. Okay, so when you, you know, I, I didn't read the rest of the creation story, but when you get down to, uh, you finally get to chapter 2, read all the way through the creation story, the six days, the seventh day God rested. Now, I'm just going to touch on this, and then we're going to get, this is part of this coming Sunday sermon, so I just, I, I want to read Matthew 11. 11, 28, 29, and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For your homework, you can read Hebrews 4. That's how I was supposed to finish this sermon was with Hebrews 4, talking about entering into the rest. But it is so deep and involved. 
it has turned into the next sermon. So I can't just, I'm just touched on it just real quick. We, on Sunday, you'll see where, what it really means. And the examples of rest, there's creation rest. And then there is different rest through the Bible that they, the children of Israel just couldn't grasp. They were offered Canaan rest, and because the majority said, no, we can't go in there, there's giants over there. Caleb and Joshua said, oh yeah, we can take it you know, with God, no problem. The majority overruled, and they wandered in the wilderness. They, they, they were shown creation rest. They were shown Canaan, the promised land rest. Same with us. We're shown rest, and we... It, and, Sunday, it's going, to be, it's going to be good, so be here, and, and if you're listening on CD, you, you just have to wait for it, but your CD will be coming, and it's going to be really cool, and it's going to play off of being a new creature in Christ, things we have to believe. Okay, all right, we're going to be done for tonight. Hope you uh, got something out of that, and um, it's fun doing these things on Wednesdays feel like I can get a little bit more uh, involved. Good stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for these people who came out tonight. And Father, I pray that we would see the need to be more able, be edified when we come here, that we we, we see the need to pray for each other. That there is an enemy that wants to stop us. And Father, I pray that we believe what you say in your word. That we are confident in the pure words that you promised would, you would preserve for us forever. That we would cling to those words and when Satan comes up against us and he tries to knock us down or to tempt us to go another way that we will remember, it is written. It is written. It is written. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.